0: Hello nerds, and welcome. We are Crossing the Nerdverse, bringing you yet another Notables in the Nerdverse. My name is Travis. I am joined, as always, by my fantastic co-hosts, Eric and Ryan. Ryan, how you been this week?
1: Oh, been a hectic, hectic week. It's been absolutely crazy. Uh, We're at end of the school year here, and so uh, my whole house has just been an uproar. I got two girls in school. You know, my wife's a social worker with the schools, so it has just been absolute pure chaos. But as far as the nerdverse side of things go, this week has been survival game week between me and my friends including Travis. Um and so it's been all about base building and and doing things like Ark and Scum and some Fallout 76, that kind of good stuff. So it's been a good week. Been a good week.
0: Good. Good. Glad to hear it. Eric, how you been?
2: It's been good. Um it's it's been mostly Editing, videos, um, trying new things with the podcast. Like if people paid attention to our last release, we kind of moved the intro a little bit. I'm trying to make the the beginning of our podcast a little bit uh, more grabby for everybody. So maybe if you don't enjoy the theme song, you can kind of skip it later on. I'm just trying out new things, seeing what sticks. Um, With the videos I did, I did break down like the opening packs to try to have single ones. So they're shorter. Quicker for everybody to watch and enjoy, and then we've kind of been doing like, um, like grabbing little clips. Like, I think the most recent one I did was like Travis predictions. Like, he he did a couple things with wrestling. Um, so we're gonna try to keep going forward with with little clips and stuff like that. It's super cheesy to say, but like the this MacBook's been um a difference maker for me because it's very dummy proofed for iMovie. I'm not trying to make a Marvel movie so its simplicity is really nice in anything editing like I couldn't find anything that simple for my PC itself so to switch over was nice and and it's made it a lot easier and I actually like to do it more now Um, which is why I think we released like five or six videos last week and when you all hear this it'll be Monday so by then I should have probably three or four more out I'm going to try to see if we can snag another prediction here and there we also have a merch discount out. Um, we finally sold our first piece of merch to someone that wasn't one of us, um, which is exciting. Um, so we did throw out a, a little, a little discount there. Um, it started out on the Discord, and then we threw it on our Twitter, and we'll get it on our Facebook next, um, and just kind of move things around and just let it release in different waves. We want people to join each media thing. So sorry, I'm long winded. There was a lot.
0: No, it's totally fine. I too have had a whirlwind of a week, but I'm going to go ahead and embrace one of the theories of my favorite professional wrestlers currently, Big E, which again, I hope he's making a speedy recovery, he did have a pretty significant injury to his neck, but I'm embracing the power of positivity. It's podcast night. I'm excited to have you guys with us. We're going to do another Notables in the Nerdverse.
2: There's been a decent amount going on this week, nerdverse-wise. With certain topics, of course, not every part of the nerd universe has been pumped full of events. But I think a big one that i got to bring up to kind of start us off with, with Jedi Survivor coming out now, it's been out a while, and they're patching it, is um, PC ports, man. They're just getting the shit end of the stick.
0: Problematic. Um, it
2: It seems like developers which i don't know good bad or indifferent they they definitely seem like it's more important to them to to release a solid console than it is to have a good pc port i don't know maybe there's more money involved for them on the console side or or what the issue is but i definitely definitely have seen a decline in pc ports
0: yeah I've noticed it too. There's been a lot of stuff coming out for PC that's broken. And I'm wondering if it's maybe the wide variety of performance parts in a PC that are causing some of these problems. Because if everybody's running like a slightly different rig, different manufacturers, you know, your OS should be determining that. But at the same time, maybe not everything's jiving up the way it's supposed to. So
1: that could be one of the reasons. There's just a variety of pieces. So, yeah, originally... My my stance on this particular topic was to take in opposition, where I, was, I assumed that it was just a knee-jerk reaction, there was a couple of bad ports, and of course the, the community started losing its mind. However, the more I dig into it, the more it is apparent, you're right, they're, they're just kind of shit right now. I know that there was a lot of controversy and a lot of frustration, particularly with the new Star Wars game, because on PC it is wildly unstable. Bad saves, easy to corrupt, constant freezes and crashes, graphical errors. And normally my stance on this kind of thing is be like, oh, you know, people are just throwing a fit. Like, there's a couple of bad things and people can't handle it. Um, And as somebody who I like to pride myself thinking, oh, I can play a glitchy game. It's not a big deal. But you're right. Star Wars was really bad. And it's only one of dozens of ports that were
0: terrible. It did it did have probably one of my favorite like weird glitchy things on the PC side with the uh cosmetics on Jedi Survivor and that's the involuntary crop top feature where if you put on a jacket with like a specific color combination and then exited out of the menu you were just wearing like a little half jacket.
2: <laughs> but they're saying that with that one it was actually parts of the PC that were having the problems. Um I had read something like um CPU and GPU utilization. Um, so that one is actually like, it's the parts for whatever reason, things aren't jiving. Um, some of the other games though, I'd be curious to see like exactly what it was. There's just so many. It was hard to get a real beat on like which one, like what in particular was. Um, some of the other big ones that had issues, Final Fantasy seven um, that did really poorly, like as a port um red the new one that came out that everyone was super excited about but i heard that that was having issues on console didn't look at that as much because i was looking at the pc ports i yeah, see i didn't dig
1: into I, the console on red Redfall either i
0: haven't i haven't done any of the console i've read some reviews uh i've got a couple of friends that play it that like it that runs fine I, I will say one of my friends does have fantastic luck on just missing glitches in games uh he can dodge those things Left and right it's almost uncanny. Uh, I'll be oh, plagued yeah. with problems and it'll just skip over them. it's wild but from what I've read on the redfall one there's some I mean there's some serious complaints about performance issues. there's a lot of it that are complaining about uh gameplay issues so gonna have to kind of separate those into categories on
2: on that one yeah I mean well, gameplay you... you can't blame on like computer so I definitely agree with you like certain ones it's just how it is. Um, but yeah, like another big one that is still having issues like Elden Ring from everything I've heard is still stuttering and having problems on PC. Um, that game's been out for forever. Um, and it's just, it's, it's weird. I I do have to think. What's up?
0: It's graphically intensive though. That game is so intensive. If you're not running, I mean, not necessarily top tier stuff, but if you've got your graphics cranked in that game, It's massive. Everything has a shadow, it moves, it's dynamic, like there's a lot of graphical power that is required to run that game.
2: My only thing is though, and I'll I completely agree, is I don't know if PC needs to do it, but there should be like if I can run it on my console. Consoles generally speaking, like they're they're decently high end things, but like PCs, man, like if you have a PC that you purchased within the last, probably even slightly before like PS five came out. If you bought top of the line PC, like it's probably still better than a PS five now graphically. So like, I agree with you with that, but they should be, there should be a setting or something to tone it down because if it can run on a console, like more than likely, if you have a decent PC, it should be running. Um And a lot of these, if I'm not mistaken, are, are, complaints from people with gaming rigs, maybe not the newest stuff company like PC gamer to like write up an article about this. They got to be getting this stuff from like their own people that work there that are playing, having issues or like decently like decent rigs that are coming out with problems.
1: Well, and I think when it comes down to the hardware, the PCs are in a strange place right now because you got to remember the last, I'm going to say probably three years getting decent high-end equipment for the pc has been a nightmare and a lot of that falls onto the scalpers just getting a good modern graphics card right now is unbelievably expensive and very difficult to find even if you have the cash to burn
0: and i I mean not not just scalpers so you got to think there's a massive like silicon chip shortage too so i mean the components that goes to make these scalpers of course, making the issue worse, but there's just no supply on people being
1: able to just instantaneously upgrade a rig. No, absolutely. Well, and Eric's not wrong. I'm I'm actually trying to pull up my, my rig specs right now so that I can read them off. Because I built this, the computer that I'm using right now, I built in 2016. And I haven't upgraded it. I haven't gotten any of the modern stuff because of the shortages that Travis just mentioned. Everything is just wildly expensive right now. And it still runs most things just fine. Now, when it comes to the PC ports, I think that it's a wild kind of dart throw at the board, so to speak. Because when I look at my PC and where, that I, where I sit, some ports I can run just fine. Others, I have a really hard time with, even though my friends are saying they're not having an issue. So maybe there's a little bit of luck or the hardware is involved. But I think ultimately, especially looking at some of the community posts, it comes down to the fact that ports are being rushed. They're not good quality right now. And some of the computer games that are releasing, even early access games, are doing just fine.
2: I I would be curious to see if, if they're making the computer first or if they're making the console and then adapting the console to the pc like i'm just curious as to how they're doing it because it's just it's so weird that they're having so much so much problems with it and i just can't i can't get it because pc gaming is so important to just all these companies because they're they're, they're partnered with Nvidia.
1: critical that they be getting these right no it, it really is and i don't know it's It's definitely one of those frustrating deals because you get on Steam and you buy some some summer game. It can be something brand new. It can be something from 10 years ago that's finally on sale, whatever the case may be. Nine times out of 10, it's going to be just fine. But when it's one of these ports coming in that was originally designed for the console, suddenly there's huge problems. And so, I don't know. I think I agree, though. I wanted to take a stance where I was just like, no, you're just throwing a fit. Like, Be more patient. That's not the case they're bad right
2: now one thing i have to say though is in regards to steam if you read reviews take them with a grain of salt um because some should do
0: that with every review though yeah you, you
2: should but if it's professionally like not professionally if if i get reviews from like magazines and things like that people that are doing it like correctly like i like good sources that are aren't bias and you could tell when someone writes it up, and I know you both know what I mean, but like when it comes to Steam where it's public public, a big thing is even with people talking in regards to specs, like not the gameplay itself, just like the game running with errors and things, you gotta really read into it and see if they mention certain things. If they don't mention components or they don't mention frame rates and other things that smart computer people know, because I don't even know them that well. Um if they're not talking about things like that and they're saying they're having issues, their system just might not be able to handle it. They might not know how to fix their their options so that their computer can run at an optimal level. I mean, my computer kind of does it for me because I don't know how to do it. So there's a lot of things when people say games are glitchy or they're having issues with it. Um, it isn't always the game's fault. Sometimes it is a user error, especially with PC because it's not like consoles.
0: I, I look for common themes when it comes to game reviews. This is wild tangent to what the original topic was. But with game reviews, I always look at if people are mentioning the same bug repeatedly, uh, same game-breaking issues repeatedly, corrupted save files happening frequently, that leads me to believe that, yeah, this is an actual pro- like problem with the game. The ones where it's just like, games trash, developers are terrible, this is the state of video games now, and whatever weird what I can only assume is like vitamin D deficiency rant that has led into that. Those ones I could just kind of throw out because they're not worth anything. They're not citing specific information. They're not telling me anything about it. They're just mad. And I don't, I don't need you to be mad
2: at the end of it. I think we can all agree that PC just needs, needs some more love like PC ports before we move on. Like, I don't know if they need to have separate teams or what they need to do to fix it. I'm not a, developer of any sorts but they definitely need something.
0: I'm I'm in the camp that AAA titles really need to just be stepping their game up in general. It's getting too frequent that we're having AAA titles come out that either are un, underdeveloped, unfinished, buggy um and that's across both console and PC. AAA games have been very very miss and very few hit here recently. So
1: yeah, I, th- I think I agree, and again, normally I take a stance that you know people need to be more patient. The biggest problem with AAA games right now is they face unbelievable deadlines and wild, extremely expensive overhead during development, and there are a few shortcuts that some of these companies are taking. You know, Our interview with Clark shed a light on a few of them, but I really think that production of video games, whether for PC or console or, or whatever is is an unrealistic expectation from the consumer's point of view i, mean, I think
0: that I was like, clark's input on this would have been fantastic sadly yeah. not joining us this week she'll be back yep, she next has week some, for
1: those of you she has some family stuff so but no i do i think that we as as a community gamers as a community need to really stop choking these production companies and I don't think it's all our fault. I think a lot of it comes from the fact that the board on these companies want to churn out 15 games a year, and it's it's setting unrealistic expectations. And that's what's leading to underdeveloped, unfinished games, because everybody just says, oh, we'll fix it in the first patch. And then you look at a game like Fallout 76, which did exactly that. Early Fallout 76 was nearly unplayable. It was bad. And it took five or six patches to get it to a playable point. and Now it's a great game that very few people actually play because they got bad taste in their mouth about it. Soured me.
2: The problem with the games right now is the developers, though, because and I'm not saying the low people on the totem pole. I'm saying the higher up people because they're giving us dates and they're giving us information, and you they you they whatever they want to do, man. But if if you start talking quarter three 2024, I'm going to get a game. Like, you, you can't be releasing that with no realistic expectations. Like, studios have been caught releasing these unrealistic. Unre- they're they're releasing these dates to get bumps in stocks and things like that because they need to look good financially. The problem is, is just give me a real date, man. Like, I'm not going to be mad. If you, if you, like, these Star Wars, supposed Star Wars games that are coming out, like open world games um, that no one's got any real idea about, I'm excited about it and not mad that I don't have release dates for some of them because they don't have good enough plans. That's okay. But if you came out and told me that they're supposed to be out like winter next year and I don't get it for two years after that, fuck you.
0: <laughs> no, that's, that's I, a fact. Yeah. I've ranted about this numerous times to both of you guys. Yeah. Feed me a little bit at a time. Don't give me a date. I don't care if you have like a teaser available show it to me and then it's fine. Just don't announce a date. And if it gets down to it, don't announce anything about the game until six months before. That way, all you're doing is polish. But speaking of rants, raves, just kidding. It has nothing to do with either one of those things. I'm going to talk about Magic the Gathering <laughs> and how Hasbro sent the Pinkertons after a
1: YouTuber. Have either oh, of you guys my read goodness. this story? I, I have not, actually. I'm pulling it up right now. I heard about it through the grapevine, so to speak. But
2: I thought it was so, a joke.
1: I didn't think it was serious.
2: I'll give a little bit that I know, Travis, and then you correct. So as far as I'm tracking at this current moment, the person had somehow gotten pre-release stuff early and was opening it online. Um, now, from what I gathered, they got it like it wasn't shady. They didn't like do something weird to get it. Um, someone had sold it early, which I've seen before. I've worked retail. Sorry, companies I've worked for, but you have absolutely by accident or whatever happened, sold something before the time. Um So I heard that that's what happened with this. It wasn't like malicious or anything like that. And then, unfortunately, it got malicious because I guess the security company, Pinkerton's a security company that went Pinkerton- after this person aggressively.
0: Yeah, for those of you that don't know, it was this Pinkerton Security Services, I think it's what it's called now. Used to be the Pinkerton Detective Agency, uh, known for union busting, uh, corporate espionage, a whole bunch of like really like I don't want to use Shady. the word yeah like, I don't want to use the word thug, but it it fits you know. And so yeah, this YouTuber he opens packs online. He does a lot of free advertisement for Magic the Gathering and Hasbro, so they should be kind of nice to this guy. They sent the Pinkertons after this guy. He got the packs early, uh, purchased them legally from a store at what the listed retail price was. So it wasn't there any like weird shady backdoor deal. I think it got put out on the shelf wrong or since Hasbro had sent it out to this person, he thought it was okay to sell. I'm not a hundred percent on every single detail in that regard. I do know this man purchased them legally. He posted the opening on YouTube with like a pack and an analysis as you know pack openers do it's his youtube channel right that's what he does he got a cease and desist letter was told that the videos had to be pulled down off youtube immediately was threatened with legal action and they sent the pinkerton detective agency to his house saying that they were going to go through his trash that they were you know they didn't i don't think they threatened to kick the door in but they were threatening legal actions and ramifications against him and said it was going to be the end of his career he was going to get sued all these like wild legal threats against this guy. And all he did was open some packs. Hasbro had a perfect opportunity to just be like, Hey, you weren't supposed to have that. Can we please get it back? This wasn't supposed to be released yet. Or they could have just doubled down and been like, we love this dude's YouTube channel so much that we sent him shit early and then just told him not to talk about the rest of it or whatever. They had a myriad of ways to handle this besides sending the goddamn Pinkertons after a YouTuber.
1: And it's so wild to actually sit and think about it because at first, when I first heard this, it sounded so outlandish and so wild. I thought it was like a TikTok joke, like it was some social media trend. Yeah, I thought it was bullshit. I thought it was bullshit. So for those of you, again, Travis kind of talked about it. The Pinkertons are probably most famous as an icon in American Wild West stories. They were formed almost 200 years ago. I'm actually on the page. They were formed in 1850 as the Northwestern Policing Agency. And they were were bounty hunters and security people in the Wild West on horses with six guns. And you're talking about the same group of people that were hired to track down Jesse James... The Reno Gang, Butch Cassidy, the Sundance Kid, these,
2: and now YouTube streamer,
1: and now a YouTube streamer, right? Like,
0: yeah, obviously the most dangerous out of all of that entire list.
1: (laughs) It's so wild. This is the the company that acted as the forerunner for the Secret Service. This is the company that was hired to both run down and protect VIPs. And there's stories about them all throughout American folklore. And now we're hiring them to go after a a YouTuber who got early magic cards.
0: Yeah. And like I said, it it just, uh, such a wild overreaction to like, no, like, I mean, no class involved, like just straight to the scummy level with it. And I gotta say, that's a huge misstep.
2: For such a big company, dude, it's just weird to see because Honestly, right here, this is this is when I see this as the golden egg. If I'm Hasbro, I see this as like, okay, I need to turn this around. So what do I do? I make this kid our new pre-release guy, and he will like we will he will somehow get pre-release stuff and be the first one opening packs, or, or like I would do something like that, like make it like interesting and and make it like just something that spins into something good instead of it becoming this awkward like billy the kid style moment like this dude just bought some cards um so i i definitely think hasbro dropped the ball now when you look at it the biggest thing i don't get is why do it because everyone's still gonna buy those cards this didn't the only thing this did was negatively impact card sales if they did nothing, it still wouldn't have affected card sales. Like, not more people would buy, not fewer people would buy. It would be the same number if they did nothing. Now it's negative. I've seen tons of stuff on Twitter, um, so that was just a dumb move.
1: Well, and I had I had the same thought is uh, to the why of the thing, right? So here's my thoughts. We all know Hasbro, despite being known. For b- making games and toys and, and that kind of thing, they are a gigantic company that handle billions of dollars. Now, here's my thing about it: every company that size does not need to do things like hire the Goram Pinkertons. They don't need to do that. They have their own thug forces. They already have their their men in black with the the shiny new vehicles. Why They're did they go of, Yeah. Why did they go out of their way to go and hire a very public agency? to go and perform a very public thing that was obviously going to have negative social feedback. This feels like it was a PR scam. And it's like they're trying to either, either in one hand, they're trying to flex on the consumer base and be like, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll hire the big bad guys from the wild wild west movies to come after you. Or they were trying to do something memorable and cool and wildly dropped the ball It's so weird and so bonkers, it makes that tinfoil hat in me think, this was on purpose. I'm missing the point somewhere. I
0: I really feel it was a massive overreaction, because every time you get a new set release, right, the meta changes for tournament play. Card economy changes. People stop ordering packs because they know a new mechanic is on the way. I think that was their big reaction, is this was going to affect... Now, it has negatively affected their sales, moving forward um because of how they reacted but i think their immediate knee jerk was this is going to affect sales for tournament play because it does if you know that what you have currently is going to be drastically out of the meta come next release or even two releases after you're not going to pursue it anymore you're not going to look for that final card that's really going to put everything in the linchpin you're going to give up on it and go for the new mechanic you're going to get ahead of the meta and if you can get ahead of the meta that means you win the tournaments. I think part of the problem was that they were afraid it was going to affect Magic the Gathering tournament play and card economy. Was the reaction correct? Absolutely not. But I can see where it was one of those things where they needed to get those mechanics and what those cards do offline so people couldn't read it. Sending the Pinkertons bad choice, but I think it was more about card economy.
2: I I agree with the with part of that. I do think tournament play does factor into it Tournaments for magic is huge now i didn't realize how big until i started until i read about pinkerton and then for some reason all this stuff popped up about tournaments and how big they are and like i didn't realize the production value and stuff of like magic the gathering tournaments so i didn't think about that side but even if you look at that side like tournament play like i get it like you go after but you go after certain cards and and you do I really, I my thing is, is if even if they let that guy go out and do all that stuff, it might, it well it would have affected tournament play. There's no doubt. We well, can't doubt that. You're always going to look for a step ahead. But your average Joe like me is still just going to buy the packs. Like when we're going to buy, like and we're the only thing I I could see it affecting is individual card sales. So, and I don't even know if Magic makes that much after that because. Yes, you know the meta, but you still have to buy the set. So,
1: you know that's true. It does fall into a third party block. If
0: you're if you're buying individual cards, yes. But how do resellers get individual cards? They buy them from people. Where do people get cards? They buy packs, right?
2: Yes. So, so I
0: can't. Kinda, it's I, trickle down. Yeah, I can't afford a two hundred dollar linchpin card. Buying third party, what I can do spend fifteen dollars on a gamble and hope I pull it.
1: No, I think I think that ultimately we are looking at something where you're you're correct. I think this Pinkerton move will absolutely affect card sales. It will absolutely affect the tournament scene. And the card reveals that were revealed, because as we know, once it's on the internet, it's on the internet forever. That will affect the next meta rotation. And the so, yeah. grand irony of it for me as as an average consumer, an average buyer, right? I've stopped, because of all the controversies, I've really stopped the majority of my interaction in Magic the Gathering. Now, am I still in it? Absolutely, because I'm doing things like the Lord of the Rings set, 100% jumping on that. The Warhammer 40k set, absolutely jumped on that, and it was a lot of fun. But the arms race itself, and maybe it's just you know the fact I've been in the game so long, but the Magic the Gathering arms race, and we've done an episode on it before, y'all should go back and listen to it, check it out. It seems when we did that episode, we were talking about like, oh, it's so wild right now. It's so crazy. People are nuts. This this can't get any any stranger. Whoops. It sure as hell did get stranger. And yeah. Hasbro, it's, it's like 2023 turned into the year for Hasbro to be like, let's make sure everyone is saying our name. Let's make sure everybody knows we're involved with D&D and magic and everything else in the worst possible way.
2: But the upside that came out of this is that now, for tournament play, set not not the Pinkerton thing. I mean, like the arms race. Sorry, sorry. Let me clarify before someone blasts me and like clips I was something.
0: Like, how dare you defend um, so the Pinkertons?
2: The <laughs> the upside to all this that's been going on though is now part of the part of the sets will stay in the meta longer. So instead of two years now, it's going to be bumped to three. So you have more time to use your stuff. You can save your money a little bit better. Um, and, but what overall it affords you to do is to buy these more crazy sets being Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. And I was going to mention with Lord of the Rings, it's coming out at a perfect time because everyone and their dog is going to buy a pack hoping they get the ring. So this is not going to affect the sales of Lord of the Rings at all. I, 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 I get it. Like we've already took a stand as a group. Well, I didn't, I didn't buy at the time, but a stand was already taken. Like Ellie, Joe mentioned with D and D, Um, When they had that craziness from before, everyone dropped Beyond and stuff like that. I don't think Magic's going to get that bad, only because they got lucky. Lord of the Rings is coming out soon enough after this event, and everyone is going to buy. Because nobody knows where the ring is. As much as people want to be conspiracy theorists and say they've got it, and they know where it is, they're going to make sure it goes somewhere decent, these things and that, there's no way to know any of that there's absolutely no way. So everyone's going to go, I'm going to try to find packs when it comes out. I can't pre-order here because they don't know how many they're getting. So they don't let you pre-order in the store. I found that kind of weird, but Lord of the Rings is kind of coming out of the perfect time for Hasbro to to help them get over this hump. Because once that comes out, everyone's buying. Every set after that is just going to keep getting people back again. And we're going to kind of not forget about this, but I don't think it's going to have the effect that the open, open license or whatever it was called with D and D had open gaming license.
1: Yeah. The OGL. So that is a good kind of moment to bring up very briefly. Um, some news in magic, the gathering that's relevant. And that is the one ring. You know, we haven't really talked about that yet, but magic is releasing a one of one edition of the one ring written in dark speech, which they're saying is going to take the top box for most valuable magic card in, in magic history, which is really bonkers to me because as of right now, the most valuable card that we have confirmation for, of course, was a um, perfect grade 10 Alpha Black Lotus. It sold on eBay a few years back for a little over $500,000, half a million. But there's also hearsay that post Malone paid almost $800,000 for a very similar card. And now they're saying that the one ring being one of one and super rare and all this kind of jazz might be the first million dollar magic card. What do you think of that? I
0: don't know if it's going to get that high or not. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not going to go expensive, uh, individual. I'm pretty sure this card is going to be super, super high. Uh, yeah, the Black Lotus, I don't. that's going to be a tough one to overcome.
2: It's going to be because it's going to bring in fan bases outside of just magic. Like Black Lotus is mostly just straight magic players that really wanted it. It wasn't as much collectors. By collectors, I'm saying like people outside like, like collect things other than just magic. So like with this one ring, you're bringing in the fan base of Lord of the Rings. You're going to be bringing in people that invest in something to make money later like we talked about in our last episode merch, merch or collectibles. Yeah, but um, that applies so that applies
0: to magic just as much. Like it
2: it does but this is this is such a huge like the base for it is so much bigger. Like look at the you got Lord of the Rings, you got The Hobbit, you've got Ring of Power, you've got all these different Lord of the Rings things everybody lo- loves well not everybody loves Tolkien, sorry. Um, everybody loves the story. So it's such a wider base than what Magic itself is, even though they're expanding and now they're doing like Doctor Who and all these other things. Um, I think that one ring is going to hit. I don't think it's going to initially hit a million. Don't get me wrong. I think the first sale, the person's going to get super excited and trigger happy and sell it lower than that and not realize it. But I'm going to bank, if you get that card, you get it immediately sealed. That card, within a year, is going to be worth at least a million bucks.
1: Well, and our audience here really brought up a good point. I'm very interested to see what measures and tactics Magic the Gathering has for avoiding forgeries and fakes. Because you know there's going to be some people making bank off some fake prints.
0: I think a lot of it comes from how they mark the cards now. So. That one's obviously going to have watermarks on it. You can't have something that's going to be a one of one and not put a watermark on it. So I'm not worried about there being too many forgeries of that particular card just because MTG has done a fantastic job. You know, they use a specific color of paints that react a specific way under every aspect of light. You know, you've got your little shiny reflective sticker that goes in the corner that can only be precision put on by. You know, a factory machine, some dude with like a pair of tweezers and a can-do attitude, probably not going to be able to get it in the right spot. Um, And there's just not a huge market for forgeries uh, on something like that, because it's so easy to, it'll be way too easy to prove that you don't have, that you're not the one of one for that exact card. It's going to be almost impossible to pump out a forgery.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's like faking the Mona Lisa, right? Like,
2: but that's what I'm saying. You got to seal the card. Like, there's companies out there that will grade it for you, authenticate it for you, and everything. So, I would not send it in. <laughs> I would not be deliver. mailing this card in. <laughs> but you can like card shows and things like that. If you go to card shows, a lot of times there's going to be people there. Um, I think there's a Dallas one, especially that that usually has them um you could take your card there they will grade it and everything um it's going to be kind of like a lottery ticket you will have to take care of it um because well, even also- even if it doesn't hit the million it's going to it's going to be right off the rip it's going to be 5 600,000 i would say maybe even more i'm telling you the lord of the rings i bet you it doesn't even get bought by a magic the gathering player i bet it I- gets purchased out by a lord of the rings fan i think you're highballing it
0: because it's new Now, I'm not saying down the line at some point it doesn't get really high, but even Black Lotus at the height of its collection wasn't going for the same price. Now, these ones that are going for $500,000, $800,000, artist signs and 10 out of 10s, right? If you get a perfect grading on it or it's signed by the artist, that's when you get this price. This card is going to go for a lot. I don't see it going that high just first rattle out of the box. I think that's going to be several years down the line when you have some of those more established collectors that are looking to pick it up collection economy right now, way down.
1: So I think I agree, but if, if it falls and I agree with Eric's assessment to a certain degree, I think that the Lord of the Rings community is unlike any other fandom in existence. You're talking, even as somebody that has dipped their toe into the Alice in Wonderland, Lewis Carroll kind of, kind of mode of, of what i'm going to call antique literature i guess the tolkien fandom is is a whole different monster and there's a good chance that it won't get bought even by a magic gathering player but i've also seen very recently thank you hasbro magic gathering players are not only easy to influence in that kind of regard but also apparently have more cash to burn than i gave them credit for because you're looking at uh the booster packs they released a few months ago, right? They were a couple hundred dollars each for 15 cards that were reprints and not tournament legal and wildly expensive. And so there's a really good chance that the One Ring being one of one for those real Magic the Gathering diehards might come out as a big swing. I also don't think it's going to hit the million, but I think there's a real good chance that it'll, it'll beat out Black Lotus just because it's been so hyped.
2: I there's more black lotuses, like I get it there's so that's actually- there's not just one, so there like Hasbro has stated and has been vehement is that use that right? I'm trying to use new words bohemian. Um. oh sorry, see uneducated <laughs> anyways, so um Hasbro's been very particular though with this, like they are not going like this is gonna be its own thing like there there's gonna be one rings after this but they're not going to be of the same level. Like oh, yeah. going it's going to be something of a totally subpar. So this is like, this is literally like, this is going to be it. This one little thing. And hey, like someone is... even tweeted out that, that this card might end up in a junk heap. Like someone right. has actually tweeted this out because there is the chance since it is one of one and like, it could end up like someone like just in a, in a soaked pack destroyed in a junkyard somewhere. Um, so I it's really going to be man like this is this is definitely Charlie and the Chocolate Factory.
0: Yeah, and I get this is one of one mechanically speaking it's going to be the same as any other one ring card you pull from any of the other packs. Like you buy enough packs you're eventually going to get a one ring. Um it's going to be printed in English, Japanese. I think they print some in like French and Portuguese and Japanese and a whole bunch of other languages. But that's all beyond the point, right? Mechanically, it's still going to be the same, so it's not like it's going to affect tournament play if you have this like super special print one, which was what made Black Lotus originally super, super com- like
1: oh yeah, you're
2: talking hyped. about the power
1: nine, yeah, yeah the power nine. So,
0: I, I man, I just don't, I just no. don't
1: see it. So, and that's the big kicker of the vast majority of card value in the secondary market for Magic the Gathering comes from the tournament scene right we all know that if a card is very good in a tournament it becomes very valuable very rarely do these cards get above $1000 i can't actually believe that some of them get to $1000 but they do for the tournament scene this card is not for the tournament scene this is for the this is the king of bling out cards right this is so you get to be the guy that says i have the flex. one ring it's a flex it's a brag it yeah you gold at all yeah and so but you know, and that kind of piles into the fact you bring up the Power 9. Magic Gathering also just got featured in uh, in Antiques Roadshow. Where somebody brought in a complete, ungraded beta set, including all of the Power 9, onto Antiques Roadshow. And they got appraised for between sixty five dollars and $125,000 for the complete set. The vast Ow. majority of that was for the, the Power 9. Yeah, Travis, sorry, man. I was going to send it to you on... Uh, Uh, On the phone, and yeah. For those of you that don't know, uh,
0: I became a very avid collector. And I was doing it as, I call it nickel and diming, as I could. Picking up pieces here and there. I was about anywhere, I think I was about eight cards shy of having the complete beta set to sell. That was the whole point of me collecting. It was to sell it for big money after I took pictures of it and like rolled around on it. But, um, <laughs> it, yeah. So definitely, definitely heartbreaking. Also made me feel extremely old that that was on antiques roadshow. Cause it doesn't seem like it's an yep. antique to me,
1: but yeah, here we are. Yeah. Just so, speak- just so you know, beta released yeah. in 93. So 30 years old. Oh, shut up. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: And speaking of Uh, things that are heartbreaking, we have more eSports news. Oh, good God.
2: So, I was kind of just diving around topics. I like to always look new things up, especially video games. Um, And I was researching PC ports, like we've already talked about. And it just so happened that I came across the addition of a brand new game to the Esports Olympics, which is Fortnite. Now, everyone would think this would be exciting. There's a shooter. This is going to be awesome. Finally building a game that could be played a game.
1: competitively. Right.
2: I mean, There's going to be obvious video game. <laughs> yeah, like it's going to be competitive, you know, like the the Fortnite tournaments are pretty exciting and pretty awesome to watch. Um and I do have to give it to Fortnite. Their shooting mechanics are pretty good. Like you really do like you have to elevate to aim because a bullet drop and stuff like that. So th- I mean, they got some stuff right in their game, but I guess their shooting mechanics are so great. So I want to make sure I say this right. So give me just one second, folks. Okay, I'm pulling this. All right, so the they are going to be uh, the it's going to be a virtual island in the game, and it's going to be on on behalf of the International Shooting Sports Federation. Um. So there's going to be players shooting at targets, not at yep. people, not, not at
1: competitive, like actual game of Fortnite. Oh my God. I was so excited. Now, listen, I, I'm not a Fortnite player, right? I don't think any of us are Fortnite players. However, I can respect the game a for being what it is. Have you actually tried it? I'll, say, I'll it? say Eric's a Fortnite
2: I did in the beginning. I stopped because I'm not fast enough at building, and it was frustrating that even if I'm a better gun with, than you, if you can just do that crazy stuff with your fingers and like build like the Eiffel Tower in five seconds and then kill me, it's super frustrating. And if anyone's wondering, yes, I was flittling my fingers around really fast <laughs> as I made all those comments, but um, I can't build that quick. I just uh, like it's yeah. not. I've tried it with keyboard. I've done everything. I can't. So. When they released the no build mode last, no, two years ago for just a little test, loved it. Now it's a permanent mode. Love it four times more because they have the great skins, dude. All the anime that I missed out on that I'm mad about now, Dragon Ball Z, My Hero, um, everything like that. So I am, I am a Fortnite fan. Sorry to interrupt. But-
0: I, w- I was just confused about the game in general, because the first time I played it, I shot somebody, and they turned into a four-story building, and I had no idea that building was a mechanic
1: that I needed to know about. <laughs> See, I've never actually tried to play the game myself. I know that it's kind of a battle royale shooter. It's very popular, especially amongst younger consumers. And so when, this, when I first got told, hey, Fortnite got added to the Olympic lineup, I was like, oh, finally, a real game, because I'm sorry— the rest of the games that they have lined up right now, they're gonna spend half of the Olympic time period closing flipping ads because they're all free to play mobile games.
2: They'll get the Trismo and yeah. dance.
0: They'll they'll get them the premium editions for the Olympics. Yeah. Right? And I'm sure they'll spend the two ninety nine to remove
1: it. Yeah, well anyway, they finally added a game that it's like, okay, you can finally play this. And they completely change the entire core premise of the game. This would be like having basketball free-throwing be an Olympic sport. Not the basketball game, nothing competitive, no other team. Just make your free-throws, and we will judge you, I, I'm assuming, the same way that they judge any of the solo sports, where it's about form and interpretation, and you have to do it to a cool soundtrack in order to speak to the judges. And Oh, my God. I cannot express how unbelievably disappointed I am that they almost got it. They were so close.
2: The the nice thing is, and I'll give credit all day to this: if you are a good, like if you are a really good Fortnite player and can build, build the buildings and are good with the rifles, like I think some of the best first-person shooter players are in that game, man. Like, Not that I, it I hate saying for the Olympics. It. Yeah, you don't get to but build anything for the Olympics. No. Technically, to be fair, it could change. I'm sure this isn't completely locked in. I don't think it's gonna. Um, but it, the way it reads is, yeah, it's targets. There, it's all for accuracy. Um. So even so if it's even not, have,
0: you don't even have to be a good Fortnite player. Nope. No, you don't. Be a don't good don't. shot. Yeah. Yep, There's a difference yeah. between playing those run and gun games and just being a good shot in the game. Tell them about the tickets, uh, though. Oh. Uh-huh.
2: So I know people, like, I personally don't know. Travis, can you look it up real quick while I talk about this, how much a regular Olympic ticket is? Um, So this is going to be a three-day, like, it's an Olympic eSport week. So basically it's it's not even a week. It looks like the 22nd. Um, between the 22nd and the 25th. So right now tickets are going to cost $7 and 50 cents for one day seven and $15 for three days. Now they do have the Singapore, I'm sorry, the Singapore dollar. I think that's what it's called. They just have the abbreviation, but it looks like that's what it would be. So that is technically 10 Singapore dollars. And twenty Singapore dollars, so that is a little bit of a step up from the seven dollars and fifty cents American or the fifteen American. What'd you get, Travis?
0: Ryan, it's gonna be okay. Please. Uh, so Olympic tickets not that high, given seating and individual events. You're talking anywhere between twenty to seventy five dollars, depending on where you're seating and what where you're sitting and what event you're watching. Premium tickets are probably going to be in the thousands of dollars, depending on the event. Now, if it is for a, like, say, a gold medal match, front row seat, it's going to be above that $1,000 mark. You're going to be paying big, big money. Uh, Generally speaking, going to the Olympics, depending on the event, $20 to $75 uh, for, like, your general admission stuff. So not outrageous, but definitely not
1: $750. Yeah, fifteen dollars for a weekend.
2: I I am curious though because um, they're going to be grabbing players from the Fortnite Championship Series. I'm gonna I'm curious as to like, are they going to want to go just to shoot? Absolutely not. I I, I, mean, I, just... I mean we say that, but like we got to wait and see. Like technically speaking, if you were just like playing at some tournament, like you get to go to the Olympics and probably represent there your is... country.
1: So I'm going to be curious to there. see. I, like, yeah, it's I'd... just like we said in the actual episode. There's some bragging rights there. Going to the Olympics, there would be something to that. But the kicker is these professional players, the actual best in the world, they're they're not going to go. They're not going to bother because what they're doing at the Olympics is pissing on us without even the courtesy of calling it rain. Like, this, this is an embarrassment to the community. And I hope they don't go. I wouldn't go.
0: I'd go and then just brag about it. I'd just like I'm an Olympic gold medalist and I just shit all over everybody. Um but yeah, I can't believe ticket sales are that ridiculously low. But Ryan does have some good news for us.
1: I just know us. Okay, so I I have a couple of, you know, ups and downs. I do have some good news, but before I move on to the positive since we're in the negative track and we're kind of just complaining about everything. I'm going to bring up one more bloody controversy. I'm ready. And that's with Pokemon Go. So Pokemon Go is taking a massive hit to the player base once again because Niantic announced that they are undoing the changes that were very popular amongst players that came out during the pandemic. Most notably, they are increasing the price of the remote raid passes um, by a significant margin and making it where you are limited to five remote raids per day. Inflation. In In addition to that, the other side is that competing in raids without using a remote raid pass, they increased all the rewards for it. And so it's this major move to encourage people to leave their home, go back out, you know, walk around, get hit by cars and get arrested by the police for trespassing again. And the player base is wildly unhappy about it. It seems that Niantic really struck gold with how they handled it during the pandemic and how they handled the game mechanics during pandemic and now that they're rolling those back, people are unhappy. I I mean the thing with the rollback is going to always be, you know rolled,
0: rolled back Uh, So if this continues to be a big point of contention, I could see them pushing you know, taking the rollback back, so to speak, and just going back to the way the base game has been for a while. Yeah.
1: But, so as far as coming to an end on our big run of negative news, you know, there was a lot to be frustrated and to complain about on that. I do have some good news, and this one reaches out to, I think, all of us, every nerd out there that uses a computer. And that is the announcement that Microsoft, for a limited time, is releasing a lifetime license for Microsoft Office all for the sweet price of thirty dollars now I don't know about you guys, but I use Microsoft Office on a daily basis. I use it all the time for everything, and a lifetime license for thirty bucks sounds pretty sweet to me,
0: yeah, I mean, it also saves me from having to get on was it word for the web or whatever it's <laughs> yeah, called some, where you can basically exercise yeah, you can access a limited Microsoft Word to type stuff up. People that do, like, heavy amounts of writing, is going to be fantastic. You have access to Word. Those of you that like to relive the highest, most glorious moments of your military career can create really boring PowerPoints and have your illiterate friend try and sound their way through it. Um, I was
2: pretty good at it. but <laughs>
0: Says the guy having to defend himself because he can't read good.
2: I done All did right. good. But on, on another note with that real quick, though, just so everyone is tracking – that's going to be that up. That's not going to update from what I was reading. So you're going to get the 20, I think it's the 2021 version. It's not going to update, which isn't a huge deal because they don't do really big updates for office all the time. So if you're using it for school or just to write emails, things like that, if you are going to be one of those people that makes the flashy PowerPoint slides, we know some of you are out there, Travis. (laughs) Um, you are going to have to eventually like pro- not right away by any means but at some point in time you would have to probably upgrade it um just to kind of get something new um new features and stuff like that but yeah i mean yeah, i don't think sure they even updated it in the beginning
0: i think there's going to be limitations to it too where it's like single light like single device which yeah, is also as fine it, but at 30 stands, bucks you get a full suite
1: yeah as it stands right now the key is only good for a single computer um And so, once you install it, you have that machine. If that machine dies, you're kind of SOL. Um, It also doesn't come with some of the other benefits you get for being a 365 subscriber. Um, You don't get any OneDrive cloud storage. You won't get any new cloud-based AI features like Microsoft Copilot. And while the app suite itself will continue to work as long as your computer does, Microsoft support for the version ends on October 13th of 2026. So, that's... It's a lifetime license that lasts all of, you know, three years.
0: I, you, you know, it's still going to give you, obviously you're still going to have access to it. Because as it sits right now, it's a reoccurring subscription if you want the full suite. So being able to pick it up for 30 bucks for a lifetime. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I still think that's a pretty good deal.
2: Just for Word that? and Excel, Word and Excel alone, it's going to be huge. Because those two there, I think they've been the same since computers were released. The only thing that really has changed for Excel, I think, is formulas. So um
0: well and then you well, f- features highlighting
2: yeah so it it'll keep us offline you'll be able to do a lot more offline with it because i know a lot of people do the online like travis where you go to the website and you can use it for free but you have to be online the whole time which is fine because it's free but um yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a big help to people that are going to school doing all these other things they don't have constant access to wi-fi um, they'll still be able to write their papers up or, or do their spreadsheets, things like that. So it's it's yeah, a good thing, and I'm surprised Microsoft's doing it. I think it's like a they they wanted to hug people or something, or maybe it's because yeah. Xbox is doing so bad. Um, who knows? <laughs> <They> Trying <laughs> well, to shore know, up their
1: Xbox losses. I know me personally. I run um, Office Home and Business, and so I pay seventy dollars a year for Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Outlook, Teams, and OneNote. This comes with that full suite, all the good functionality, $30 for several years? Absolutely. I'm going to jump on that. So, I'm excited about it. I thought it was good news. And I hope some of our listeners find it very appealing, because I think it's a really good deal.
0: Alright, I just have one
1: last news topic to
0: cover. And I'm afraid it's not good news. For Nintendo... (laughs) sales of the switch are down again this quarter uh they haven't really come out with any new fancy hardware to get a bump in individual console sales not to mention again silicon chip shortages are a big thing in electronics right now so their production numbers are pretty metered at the moment so uh they built a console that lasts haven't had a ton of upgrades that have needed to come about from it so stale sales have stagnated Uh, The prediction is that they're going to go ahead and fall again next quarter as well until an entire new console system comes out. I haven't even heard whispers of Nintendo putting out a new console soon. So I think they're just going to be in game development mode until something better than the
1: Switch comes out. Well, I think the the Switch is a wildly popular console. Everybody has one. And it got a huge, huge bump in sales during the pandemic. And we did a whole episode that kind of covers this. Eric brought it up, you know, that those kind of sales skyrocketed during the pandemic. People were stuck indoors. And so everybody was buying it. And like you said, Nintendo does make a really good product. Yeah. And I, so when you don't have to replace it and everybody already bought one, of course your sales are going down this quarter.
0: Yeah, I've got, I've got the sales numbers right here uh, broken out by year. So this is from IGN. Uh, So, 2020 to 2021 was its peak at 28.83 million units. 2021 to 22 was 23. So, a little drop for that year, you know, about 5 million units. Um, But a pretty significant drop from 22 to 23, which is 17.97 million units. That's a pretty significant downward trend. Uh, But again, everybody already has their Switch. Seven years after launch, if you were going to buy a Switch, you probably have a Switch right now.
2: The The big thing to remember, too, is it's only been in the last, like, what? Not even full year that the PS5 and Xbox One S, I don't know. They do some weird stuff with their names. Those two systems have been available um, a lot more regularly now. So I think, yes, everyone has a Switch, but also now people are able to pick up those other two high-end systems that haven't been out as long as Nintendo, and are putting all their money into that.
0: I mean, this so, was
2: a... I mean, I think they it's could... a. I was saying, yeah, I think right. it's pretty impressive how Nintendo like has gone on such a sale for so long with a system that's so old, um, because again the graphics the graphics aren't astounding. They're good. They're great. Like they're better than like my Nintendo itself. But comparative to like PS5 or like Xbox One S or One X, whatever it is. X. So X compared, and S yeah. Point
0: of fact, yeah, it's got two versions.
2: So compared to those two, though, like the graphics aren't that great. It's been out forever, so everyone can now actually get PS5s. Like every time I go to Walmart, there's PS5s now. So everybody's throwing their money into that. So I think Nintendo is just going to keep declining now until they put something new out.
0: Yeah, you know, obviously reaching its peak at the height of the pandemic is to be predicted. Nobody could go anywhere. Video game sales skyrocketed, right? You now have a manufacturing chip shortage, which is also going to lead to production issues. I just don't think they're dumping as much money into production as they have previously because it is an older system. Graphically, it runs fine, performs great. I've played several Switches. All of them run wonderfully so oh yeah I mean, it's a great console it's just this is kind of to be predicted the headline does make it seem like it's disastrous for nintendo but they've been churning out some like fantastic games there's a new legend of zelda coming out soon so you can run around and play as zelda just to watch ryan grind his teeth because i love doing that um you don't run around and play as zelda you play as link i know ryan i know everybody knows that's why it's a joke
2: um <laughs> Nintendo had no competition either during the COVID. So that's why literally everybody was buying it because it was so hard to get your PS5s and your Xboxes. So like that's why right now like Nintendo is taking such a dive compared because if we would have had access to PS5 and Xbox during the pandemic like we did the Switch, I don't think the Switch would have sold like it did. But on the reverse side of that, I don't think it'd be taking the hit it's taking now. Because that's all you had options to do. Like you couldn't get the new PS5. You couldn't get the new Xbox because yeah. everybody was hoarding them.
0: Well, And I don't think Nintendo was really bang. Like This to me is falling within some pretty predictable parameters for a console of that age. You got to think, you know, two years after launch, you expect almost a 50% decrease in overall sales right after your console has been lost. Because the people that desperately want to have that console have that console. So I don't foresee this. Like I said, it sounds doom and gloom, but even Nintendo was just like, yeah, console sales drop the longer a console's
1: out.
2: Yep. That is so so true.
1: I do want to cover, while we're on the subject of sales, I want to bring up the newest Marvel movie, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. It just released on May 5th, and we have some of the opening numbers and stuff. So I thought... Oh, uh, we could co- uh, cover some of that, Travis. What you got?
0: I was just say like, going to see that this weekend. Also, this is going to be spoiler free because I don't think anybody here has seen it.
1: Yeah, totally spoiler spoiler free. Even if we had, we're trying to be careful about a very, you know, extended spoiler free window and all of the new content, especially with notables going on. But we do have the sales numbers, which I think are interesting. And so, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three has done very, very well. Its opening was at just under 119 million dollars and just to compare that to quantum mania their last big release their domestic opening was 106 million dollars so they're doing really well really well um now domestic grosses you're looking at 146 million dollars with international being at 220 million dollars so you're talking about just under 400 million dollars worldwide yeah, I think it's doing really well, and it's only been out for, you know, a week. I have heard really good things. Like, it's been getting pretty highly
0: reviewed from what I can tell.
2: But if you look at Marvel movies lately, they've had these big openings. Like, even Ant-Man, if I'm not mistaken, if you look that up, the newest one, had a yep. great opening and a great start to it, and then just fell off the earth. Um, so, I'm interested to see what it does over time. Because, yes, it's getting better reviews than Ant-Man. But it's still going to be, a, like, Marvel seems lately, like, they get that first view. But they can't get us to keep going back to watch it over and over again. Like, the reason the original movies did so well is because, and I'm guilty of this, I went more than once to the theater to see it. Oh, so, absolutely. like, I pro- I probably watched the first Avengers at least five times myself. Like, I get it. That's, like, a, a less than 0.01% But like if I did that and I'm not an avid lover of the movie theater, I can only imagine what some people are doing. And it seems like now, especially after COVID, people don't want to, people aren't going to the theater more than once. Like it's not like a thing that people are doing as much as they used to, where they would go multiple, multiple times to see the same movie. It seems now like they're only going the one time, if at all especially with how you can rent online now because of COVID and just skip the theater. I mean,
0: I have, I think I can remember a handful of movies that I've gone to the theater to see more than once. And by handful, I can distinctly remember three. And that was Star Wars, Phantom Menace, because I wouldn't watch it with a couple of friends wouldn't watch it again with a different group of friends cuz I just enjoy going to the theater Lord of the Rings the two towers which also super fantastic series of movies I remember going and seeing that once with Ryan and my core group of like D&D friends I then went and watched it with the uh church youth group which was also super fun cuz it was just like the six of us in the movie theater so we got to be loud and like eat popcorn and i think at one point i ran around the theater screaming man flesh or something stupid like that when they were chasing the Urukai, but and then what was three i think it was captain america a huge captain america fan uh was the only other one that i watched more than once but i have never understood that drive to just be like it was so great i wouldn't saw it in theater again i was like i wouldn't saw it in theaters waiting for it to hit streaming
1: well, and that's kind of the thing Eric was talking about, right? Streaming is really taking it over, and we're seeing a huge shift in in the tradition of it. Movie theaters, they go up, they go down. I still think it's a very vital and vibrant way to watch movies and stuff, but we are seeing a shift where people want to do in-home. We're also seeing quite a large uptick
0: in things like Avast Me Hearties uh, online, uh-huh. so, you know, I'm... I'm not going to condone any of that behavior, obviously, because it's illegal. But yeah, the the people with their tricorn hat and their you know, mast rays as they surf the webs for stray copies of movies uh, has seen a pretty big uptick as well. So that could Absolutely. be another reason why box office sales are.
2: I just don't well, think people like to socialize as much as they used to. I'm going to be totally honest. Like, hey, I, I, I truly think that's part of what it is. Yeah,
0: so they don't I don't go like to the th-
2: and theaters are. I don't either, but <laughs> like theaters are stupid expensive now too. Like, that's another thing they have to look at. And everybody says that. Like, we always have conversations about things as people. Like, all oh, this restaurants kind of expensive, and then someone else is like, "Well, it's not really that expensive," and things like that. But everybody, from people with lots of money to holes in their shoes. I'll agree that theaters are outrageously expensive. Like nobody, I've never run into anyone that's like that's affordable.
1: I'll no, spend, that's a fact actually.
0: I'll spend $10 on the ticket, what grinds my teeth is $13 for a handful of popcorn and like another 14 bucks for two drinks of soda. That's really where I start to be like Okay, yeah,
2: I should say the concessions, not the tickets themselves. It is the concession, but you don't go to a theater and not get concessions and stuff because they don't let you bring anything in. It's harder to sneak stuff in now than it used to be. You got to like really get it in there. Um, That's why it's almost like prison rules. Oh, but you're just jealous. But (laughs) so I do consider it the full package deal is why now it's, it's kind of gotten to the point where it's unaffordable and everyone agrees is because I've never seen anyone just go in and sit in the seat and like not buy popcorn and a drink or or something like that, especially because a lot of times it was a date thing people did. So you had to buy it like it was just it was a thing you had to do. So
1: no, that's that's absolutely true. Well, and it's one of those things that I'm a very avid moviegoer. You know, I used to manage a movie theater back in my hometown. I've always been in love with the movie theater. In fact, I'm in love with the the very traditional aspects, of the way they used to set up movie theaters, the majestic style movie theaters because I think that's an entire experience in in and of itself that being said I think that you're absolutely right and I'll even go as far as to say that ticket prices are outrageous now they have to be because the production and and just running the building is wild and even with the heightened ticket prices and concession sales and everything else movie theaters are having a hard time staying afloat they're not turning major profits But I'm also one of the ones that I frequently will go see a movie multiple times. I'll go. I'll turn around and take my wife as a date night. I will then figure out a way to take my kids if I really enjoyed the movie. Me and my friends will go. So I'll go see a movie multiple times. Pro tip for those of you still in the dating scene:
0: movie, not a. Hold on,
2: I'm listening and taking notes. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Here you go. Not a great place for a first date. You're literally taking someone to a venue where talking is frowned upon and you're trying to get to know somebody. Movies for a first date, not a great idea. Movies for date night, good idea, right? Yeah. Don't Don't, don't be taking people to the movies on a first date. For any of you people still on the dating scene, awful, awful idea. Because the only time you're going to talk is when you're in line to get your concessions and then that's it. That's like a five-minute conversation, and all you're going to do is bitch about how expensive all the concession stands are <laughs> as you buy your $40 tub of popcorn before you go sit down and be quiet for three and a half hours. It's not a great first date.
1: Not to mention, you're literally taking somebody on a romantic venture to watch a picture of somebody who is prettier than you. So, <laughs> yeah, Dude, it, Ryan however, Gosling
2: is not prettier than me. I don't care. Is.
1: Really? You're going to throw uh, throw your towel in the ring with Gosling? All right, all right. We'll I have
2: to
0: it, We'll have to debate that <laughs> later uh, I'm also going to go on to the fact that It is also a very good metric However, if you do want to determine Whether or not someone can be quiet for two hours So maybe the movie theater is right for you
2: <laughs> And on the movie thing We do have to mention real quick um, A lot of us nerds, geeks, dorks And everyone do enjoy a particular actor Carl um, Urban, I believe is how you say his last name oh, King um, Urban so, not a huge mainstream actor, but plays in a lot of great movies. Um, one of my personal favorites being Doom, and Priest. A lot of people don't know about them. Yeah, didn't they're, they're watch them, obviously. The yeah, but, but uh, he might—he might, he might pretty, be in Doom the was next pretty commercial.
0: Like
2: that was. But did like nobody watched it though. <laughs> I'm not saying uh, it's a good
0: movie, I'm just saying it was widely advertised. Everybody knows about the new movie, just it wasn't very good.
2: So not, Well, not a lot of people watched it, but I'm, there's one thing I'm happy about, and that's he's being looked at to be in the next Mortal Kombat movie. Now, the thing I don't like, and I'll get both of your opinion on it, is from the article, it looks like they're looking at him to play Johnny Cage. Of that's all people in the Mortal Kombat universe Johnny Cage I'm thinking back right now of all of his roles and characters that he has played and I I'm pretty well versed in Mortal Kombat I don't see it like Priest the character he played in Priest kind of similar to like a Johnny Cage um but I don't I don't see it I got a thumbs up from Travis do you think <laughs> You think he's He's a Johnny Cage? So I think
0: think he will be perfectly fine in that role. I don't think it's going to be an issue at all.
1: Here's the thing. Carl Urban has one of the wildest, most prolific resumes when it comes to geek and nerd media that you will find from anybody. The guy is in everything. Brief list. The Boys. Main character. Judge Dredd. Thor Ragnarok. The Lord of the Rings. Star Trek. Riddick, Doom, you're talking, He he's in everything, dude was in Born Supremacy, and he does kind of fly under the radar, you know, not a lot of people just go immediately to Carl Urban or can even recognize him, you know, by name, Pacific Rim was a huge production, some people hated it, some people loved it, very few in between, but so you do. You have Carl Urban, who's kind of the king of being in every geek movie and television show ever. I think he's going to do great. Here's the only odd part to me, and this might be because of the way they're doing the movie. He's a little bit old to play Johnny Cage. Johnny Cage is supposed to be this this spry, young, Jean-Claude Van Damme-style action movie hero. And, I mean, Carl Urban's what fifty fifty one, something like that. I yeah, I was just like,
0: can you can you bring it up real fast? See how old he is.
1: Yeah, I'll bring it up.
0: Um, I I don't foresee it being an issue. He doesn't honestly. The last few things I've seen him in, he looks grizzled, but he doesn't necessarily look old. You know, he's not one of those guys that's aged like he, Clint Eastwood, who looked old when he was twenty five. Like that dude's looked true. old <laughs> since he came out the womb. But I don't foresee it being an issue. He's been blonde in movies before, so I don't foresee that being a problem. Uh,
2: he doesn't forward. have that upbeat thing though. Like, and he's an actor. Johnny Cage he can was... just act upbeat. Like, it's <laughs> he. No, no, I, I get you with that. But like, if you look at like Johnny Cage was very, very quick, like very fast, um, flexible, upbeat, cheesy lines, things like that. And like, I, I, dude, I'm a huge Carl Urban fan. Like, I've watched the Judge Dread movie a million times. And I don't even like that movie. Just because he's in it and his cliche lines and ricochet bullets. But like, I just don't see, I don't see Johnny Cage like something else. Yes. Not
0: he, he dumps those cheesy lines all the time in Thor Ragnarok. Behold my My stuff. stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Like it was dumb. It was dumb and it was goofy and he did a fantastic job. I don't foresee it being an issue.
2: Is he doing the splits and punching someone? That's the signature move. So so
0: there's these people called (laughs) stuntmen, right? They're professionally trained to do things like the splits and throw uppercuts. And then when it gets back to the talking portion, they have Carl Urban, the actor, right, who is going to act (laughs) as the character. I can't believe I'm having to explain movies to Eric. Um, This is not where I thought this podcast would go, but here we are.
2: I, I get what you're saying, but like, I don't know, man. I just, that's the one thing, like, there's very few characters. But
0: look at the last I Mortal Kombat movie.
2: I, it's like
1: 75% special effects anyway. So, like, it's. I will say this. I'm going to add my two cents here. Carl Urban, before, uh, I'm going to defend his position as Johnny Cage. I think he's got the right look. He's definitely got the physicality. I think he'll be able to do a lot of it without having to use uh, a stunt double or any more special effects than anybody else. Um, But. I honestly, I also think he won't have any problem with the line delivery, and here's why. And I encourage you to check this out and tell me if I'm right or wrong. So he's the primary character in The Boys, right? Now, in The Boys, he plays this kind of gruff, stoic guy. So his his actual performance in the show, notwithstanding, listen to him talk in the interviews about the show when he's with his fellow cast members and he's just kind of being himself. He's got that wildly fast wit, that really quick remark prone to making jokes I think he's gonna do well and uh I think if you kick back watch some of the interviews he's done about the boys in kind of like post-production and that kind of stuff uh, I think you'll see it too
2: yeah I don't know I it'll be interesting I'm gonna give it the benefit of the doubt because he's a great actor Uh, definitely in my top 10 so I'm willing to absolutely try it with the plethora of characters in Mortal Kombat It's just an awkward one to see, especially because it's going to be, I don't know. And and supposedly, if you watched the last Mortal Kombat and you saw the ending to it, Johnny Cage looks like he's going to be the main guy in this next movie.
1: That Um, actually is very surprising.
2: So it's going to be interesting. I think Carl can lead a movie. I'm not worried about that portion of it. It is just like the, the awkward flexibility stuff and I don't know. It'll be it'll be good to see. I could just see like I'm telling you, I can just see him being the brawler, like a fighter, like a striker type character, that police officer that was in the game. Yeah, absolutely. I could have seen something like that. Um I
0: was actually about yeah, to bring couple, that up because I think, I think he's not he would Jackie do well Chan. He's not gonna do his own stunts. He's not Jackie Chan. He's Carl Urban, <laughs> the actor he will have a stun double who's going to have hair and makeup very similar in appearance to him, or similar enough to where they can get through these fight scenes if they need it. I don't think it's is going to be that big of an issue. I'm not expecting him to go out there and actually fight in the Mortal Kombat tournament, so I'm not worried about that. Now, if you know the material realm was on the line, perhaps we could sub him out for somebody that could actually fight. I would be... But as it sits... I, I think it's going to be fine. I have no problems. I can see him playing Johnny Cage and I love Carl Urban. So yep. give him the thumbs up. And I think that's
1: going to be good. I think that'll be fun.
2: Oh yeah. Super excited to see him in it. Absolutely. And and he's so amazing. He's a great way to just end the show. I mean, and on absolutely. the Carl Urban. So both of you agree he should be Johnny Cage. I'm, fine. I'm on the border with the Johnny Cage. I definitely want him in the movie. Loved 100%. the last movie. The new character they made just for the movies was a great idea too. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's going to, it's great direction. Great way to end the episode because I mean, it's he Carl Urban. I love Carl Urban. Yeah. He's...
1: Yeah. I'm just happy he's in it. I don't even like, I don't have any strong feelings about the fact he's playing Johnny Cage or someone else like
2: favorite Stark role Carl
1: he's Urban. played
0: so far has been bones uh, in Star yeah, Trek. In Star Absolutely Trek. loved him as the doctor. Oh, yes, yeah. So good. <laughs>
2: Yeah, now that you bring that, I don't know why I forgot all about that. Like so who we played because in. Because he's sorry. in
0: everything. <laughs> yeah, you just don't know he's in everything.
2: Yeah.
0: All right, Eric, hit us with the links.
2: Okay, so the the big thing is is we are getting out there a lot more on all of our platforms like I mentioned in the very beginning of the show. So crossingthenerdverse.com is going to be just the absolute best way. I can sit here and read off everything. Go there. Um it's got our merch shop and it's got I'm going to double check tonight and read Make sure that the website is perfect because of Instagram. Um, We weren't using it for a long time. Now we are putting some stuff on there. And I do want to do a weekly live thing on there. I just need, I'm just, I need to find an idea. So I'm kind of digging and stuff like that um, to get something that's different. Like a lot of people already do pack openings all the time. So I still want to do those, but I want something that's kind of nerdy to put up there. Um, and we do have a discount that's still out there. So make sure that you are checking out our socials, um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and stuff like that. We're going to have it all on there. I'm going to leave it up for a while because I do want to give everyone the chance to use it now. Um, and yeah, I think that's, oh, YouTube get on there. We got good stuff. Travis is making weird predictions about wrestling. Um, make fun of him. if he gets I, it wrong or right.
1: I,
0: I'm going to be more um, wrong than right. I could tell you right now not got a great track record
1: i did want to bring up a a quick aside on the merch shop we have a really great selection of stuff i encourage everybody go to crossing check out our merch stuff but for those of you that have contacted us about some of your favorite colors being of low stock or out of out of, out of stock or whatever the case may be unavailable on our merch shop. We are tackling that problem right now. And we have had requests to add tank tops and other style, you know, stuff to the merch shop. We are working on that as well. Um, But in order to do that, we got to get a little bit more traffic. So be sure and share it with everybody. Um, Wear your merch out so everybody sees it, knows it's cool, and goes and buys their own. Uh, But we are working on getting our full range of colors back and extending the merchandise inventory. So um share it around. Tell all the peoples Be a cool nerd.
0: And with that, that's going to bring us to a close. We are crossing the nerd verse for those of you that Mr. Clark will be back with us next week and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining us.
1: See you guys.